HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. So we are back with our live coverage, HRN on tour at Slow Food Nations in beautiful, extremely sunny Denver. Um, and we want to thank our sponsors, uh, the Julie Child Foundation, Hearst Ranch, and Julie Schaefer for making this coverage possible. We've been having an amazing day. We have a killer lineup coming up for the rest of the afternoon. Um, so stay tuned. But right now I'm very excited to talk to Michael Hurwitz. Um, so for the past 11 years, Michael has served as the director of Green Market, which is a program of Grow NYC that operates 51 producer-only farmers markets throughout New York City. Um, Michael has also been integral with forming Green Market Co. Uh, with teachers, with the teachers call. With, I'm sorry, I think that got cut off. All right. Green Market Co. Yes, with the Teachers is, College at no, Columbia, right? That's different. That's, that's different. Our youth, so our youth ed work. Excellent. Uh, seed to plate. We it's standards based education programming. We deliver to fifth and sixth grade classrooms, three classrooms each semester. Cool. That we developed with Teachers College, and then Green Market Co. is our wholesale distribution arm. Got it. Uh, that's that about six years old. Fabulous. Yeah. So I'm really curious. It sounds like um, you know. Green Market is such an amazing resource in New York City. We have access to so many farmers markets, and uh, I, I would love to hear about this other side of your work, um, working with youth, because I think it's such an important part of strengthening our food system and making sure that people are educated to make healthy food choices and sure. take ownership of it. So cool. tell me about that experience. So I'll, just going back, I, yeah. I did not know very much about food and agriculture and sustainable community development prior to 2000. Oh, wow. And in 2000, began working with young people in community gardens and discovered the transformative power of agriculture, working alongside incredible 14 to 18-year-olds in Red Hook, Brooklyn, um, and saw them getting their hands in the soil, wanting to come back week in, week out, even though they weren't supposed to be there. Mm. Um, And then having agriculture explained to me and, and what you can do on a 10 by 10 plot of land from an economic development perspective, from a health perspective, from an educational for, you know, youth education and youth unemployment. So that's where I started my agricultural career Great. Um, and began growing food and learning these issues alongside kids. And so there is nothing more transformative than having a young people, person put his or hand in the soil harvest their own products and taste what food is supposed to taste like and develop a connection to their food system and to the land and to see their own power and potential and the power and potential like what a a tiny seed 
can actually produce. And again, from an economic justice perspective, putting money into their pockets and dollars not leaving a neighborhood. Um, from an environmental justice perspective, taking what were once dumping grounds and turning them into productive organic farms and composting. In, in Red, Red Hook is the largest community composting site in New York City, and it was started by a group of teenagers because they started asking questions about what we, what we can do and, and what's possible. Um, so that's really the, my, was the introduction to me okay. in agriculture and my introduction or the tipping, starting point of where I worked with young people. I mean, at Green Market now, we have over 6,000 kids that come through on school tours. Wow. Uh, again, from, from all ages, where they get to discover the relationship between food and health, and whether that's community health or personal health. Um, and again, learn about seasonality and, again, in, get introduced to those core concepts that then make them advocates, better shoppers, um, and they go home and tell their parents what they want to eat. Because, again, once you... St- eat from a farmer's market, you want that food again. Yeah, it's hard to go back. And it I is. think, especially in the city, to be able to get your hands dirty is such an amazing, amazing experience. Yeah. And it really gets you excited for yeah. to eat. Um, so tell me a little bit about um, what's, what do you see as like the future of, of Green Market? Like, Do you have new you know, neighborhoods in mind um, or, or new goals for the future? Because, I mean, it seems like you guys have been reaching sure. all the limits of New York City. So I'll tell you from the Green Market side yes. and then from the Green Market co-side. Cool. Okay? So at Green Market, some of the initiatives that are taking off are the Green Market Regional Grains Project. Yeah. So about 10 years ago, uh, led by June Russell on our, on our, on our team, we really began to challenge our bakers around using more local grains, mm-hmm. recognizing there wasn't much of a regional grain economy uh, or infrastructure from being grown to being milled and then being distributed in, into the city. So we began to, uh, as we were pushing our farmers and require, our bakers rather to use that 15%, we were also bringing all those other resources together and into one room so that folks who were growing products could actually meet the millers who could mill those products and people who were milling those products could meet our bakers. Um, and over time, began we were part of a four-state, five-year study where we looked at what types of grain varieties could grow well in our region mm. and of what grew well, what could bakers then bake with of what they could use, what actually tastes good, and then used our markets to test the market and what are people willing to pay for these products. So the story that, that, is, that I tell, and people are probably so sick of me telling it, is when June organized our first bakers meetup in 2010, uh, Jim Leahy came from Sullivan Street Bakery came up to her afterwards and said, I want 3,000 pounds of warthog. And she said, that's great, we only have three cups available. <laughs> That's all that existed in the Northeast. Wow. And now Warthog makes up 60 to 70% of farmer ground flours, half-white, you know, baker, uh, just bread mix. And so we've come a significant way. And That's so we're amazing. looking about how we can bring a bread lab to the Northeast. June is, is doing that work. A lot of it I don't understand. <laughs> um, but what I do understand is it's about creating opportunities for new, new baker goods to come online, 
to, for this not to be just a cute little niche market, but to really to be a game changer and get more products, uh, more grains grown on farms. So Ken Miglarelli, one of our farmers the other day on a, on a farm tour, told June and a couple others, he has seen an increase of 2% of organic matter on his farm. Wow. And that's just over like a three-year time period because he has incorporated grains into his rotation. So that's a, that's a game changer. That's really um, exciting. Also doing work around farm succession. We surveyed our farmers back in 2011. 40% of our farmers are going to retire in the next 15 years. And of those, 40% have no identified successor. So that's a direct threat to regional agriculture. Yes. Right? And uh, that is our mission. Um, so we ha- created our Farm Roots program to really help identify potential successors, get beginning far- addresser. We, you know, we've been training beginning farmers, particularly immigrant farmers and farmers from socially disadvantaged com- communities for the last 18 years. Um, how we can be intentional about getting those beginning farm graduates onto existing farms where farmers are going to retire, have that men- develop that mentorship relationship, pass on that knowledge, and then address affordability issues potentially around uh, purchasing of development rights um, and, and other strategies. So super excited about that work. Um, around uh, providing farmer technical support. like We ask direct farmers to be really good at growing food, mm. to be really good at transporting that food, to be customer service experts, to be marketing experts, and it's really hard to be good at all that those things. That is really hard. So we, over the last few years, have begun helping our farmers be more competitive. I mean, what we're competing against, right? Our supermarkets are studying customer behavior. Yeah. Right? They do thorough customer behavior analysis. And so where we can borrow some of that, um, those strategies, I mean, mm-hmm. they literally have glasses that people go in and they study the movement of their eyes. Right. So we help our farmers also attract those impressions and then convert those impressions into sales. That's super interesting. So how do you go about doing that? Um, do you base it off of um, like trends we, you're seeing within the market? We, we, it's a combination yeah. of old school customer behavior analysis using having three people strategically located at stands doing customer counts. Wow. Who walks by, who walks by looks, who walks by looks and then becomes a shopper, then who pulls the trigger. Hmm. Utilizing things like customer loyalty programs. So if you purchase a certain amount, bring you in. Looking at visualization and, and what folks are doing in supermarkets from vertical signage to horizontal signage and again attracting people into those stands and then helping farmers one identify where those niche markets are and then to develop enterprise budgets so that they can then grow that product on farm profitably that's fantastic um and you mentioned you visited the denver farm oh sorry yeah sorry no, I was curious what your take was on the farmer's market here in Denver. I know you visited earlier today. Uh, it was f- phenomenal being yeah. there this morning. It's great to see the similarities in markets, what they're doing well. I mean, anywhere I go, I snap pictures and, and send those right. immediately to staff. What and can I learn? <laughs> think about ideas, what we can borrow if not steal. Um, but yeah, yeah, and I met Brian last night, who's the, the manager who runs the, the, the markets out here and Obviously, a terrific guy thinking very strategically around, again, continuing to push how we can continue to increase farmer profitability and, and community development around, around food. And then the other thing we're doing at Green Market with Green Market Co. is we are in the process of building a 70,000 square foot food hub. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would take one third of that and then lease out the other two thirds. We have been distributing 
So for the, our first 36 years, we were strictly about retail markets. Mm-hmm. And on a good day in New York City and, and nationally, direct sales will account for 2% of, of total food. Right? I mean, the sandwich that I just ate did not come from the farmer's market. It came from through wholesale channels. Right. And so if we are going to continue to support mid-sized growers and create efficiencies and opportunities for them to get into the marketplace, we have to create infrastructure and mission-driven nonprofit distribution arms specifically designed for that purpose. So an extension of our green market mission, looking on the wholesale basis, how we can continue to support farmer profitability and then equitably distribute that food throughout the five boroughs. So that was the birth of Green Market Co. And to do that work where you're actually paying farmers the cost of uh, production plus a little bit so they're going to actually have profits and make sure that food is equitably distributed, you need dedicated infrastructure. And that's why we're building this. And to do that, it also is not profitable. But real estate in New York City is profitable. So if we can expand our existing 5,000 square feet to 18,000 square feet and bring in rental income, we can continue to cover the costs of these programs. That's fantastic. And, you know, that kind of reminds me, we were both um, sitting in on a session yesterday that was um, focusing on how to empower rural communities through farming and what resources are available. Our previous guest, Carrie Balcom, spoke on that and was, had some very interesting things to say. And I, and I love that uh, part of the conversation was for small farmers, how to handle distribution, how to handle marketing, because obviously those resources are hard to come by and not everyone has this expertise. So uh, for you, do you you see like, does the world need more resources like what you folks are doing and and having markets that also double as distributors, double as advocates, double as mentors? That seems like that might be the way of the future is building these communities. Yeah, so the answer is, Yes, definitely, right? <laughs> yes. How can what, we make that happen? What farmers need is a food system that's based upon values, yes. right? Where the people that are producing our food and the land that is producing our food are what we value most. And that the folks who are distributing that food and processing that food are secondary to, but, but crucial parts along this chain. And also that the communities that are ultimately buying this food are also valued as partners. And so that none of these folks are interchangeable parts along a supply chain and a consumption chain, or we're all in this, doing this work together. So the answer is D, all of the above, right? If there are viable wholesale channels where farmers are actually get, getting paid what they need to get paid, check. If it's a direct marketing opportunity through a CSA or for a farmer's market, and it's allowing for farmer profitability, check. You know, and we, we preach about diversity all, all the time whether it's biodiversity on a farm, whether it's diversity of decision makers in in a room or of your shopping base, but also a farmer should not rely on one outlet for revenue, you know, and that's as much about security as it it is anything else. So where you can benefit and participate along the various chains, Mm -hmm. that to me is the most successful model. That's really interesting. Um, And so... I know you've had a really busy day today. Um, it's all good. Speaking, but I'm curious what you have been the most excited about here at Slow Food Nations, what it's inspired you, <laughs> any really delicious bites you've had or challenging So I, I will tell you my most favorite yes. part so far has been listening to Raj Patel. Yes. Um, yesterday talking about the need for a reckoning. Uh, without question, that is what we need globally. It's what we need 
locally. It's what our food system we truly needs. Um, and then to hear him and, and Tom this morning talk about the role of capitalism in our food system, that has been what I've eaten up the most. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the food's been ama- has, has been amazing, and it's great to see old like to see Darlene Wolnick, who I met 11 and a half years ago, literally my first week on the job, who was at Market Umbrella at the time, is now at the Farmers Market Coalition. One of the original, like, she is the OG in, in, in the farmer's market world, and she's now helping other markets around the country get, get stronger and better. Be, so to be able to connect with old friends has been fantastic. And then just to, to discover Denver, and now I'm going to go to the mountains and, and see what's out there. I love it. Yeah, you're going hiking later, right? I am. Perfect. I am. Have so what s- have you enjoyed while you've been out here? Um, well, we had the great privilege of having some of Cesare Casella's prosciutto last night, which <laughs> is always a transcendent experience. <laughs> um, so that was definitely a highlight for the bite. And then I really enjoyed um, the panel discussion yesterday uh, with Rick Bayless and John Eichard and Raj Patel as well. And uh, I'm blanking on some of the other folks' names. But that was really interesting. And it's, it, for us, it's given us a lot of information or not information, but inspiration um, for our talks and kind of expanding upon those. So I thought that was really interesting. Were you there for that chat? I was, yeah. Yeah. That was where the moment of reckoning Yes, I want more Raj Patel all the time everywhere. Oh, my Lord. Yes, the highlight. (laughs) Excellent. Well, we are um, running out of time, but I want to thank you so much, Michael Hurwitz, for joining us and... Uh, for coming and sitting and chatting. Thank really you. appreciate I'll it. I'll see you back in uh, yes, Brooklyn. Yes, we'll be in humid, humid Brooklyn soon. Great. And uh, special thanks to our sponsors, Hearst Ranch, the Julia Child Foundation, and our friend Julie Schaefer for making our coverage of Slow Food Nations possible. We will be back shortly with more interviews, so stay tuned. <laughs>